So welcome to Churchpreneur's Podcast. My name is Richard Moore. I'm your host and informant for everything church, theology, and faith related. Churchpreneur's vision is to accelerate the church in mission, vision, and effectiveness and fulfilling the Great Commission in our communities. Churchpreneur's hopes to embolden people to fulfill the Great Commission beyond their own borders into the rest of the world within this generation. In this podcast, I talk about everything that's moving me in relation to church, theology, and hopefully to empower you in your ministry, church, Bible study, theological understanding, and most importantly, your personal growth in Christ. In the last several episodes, I've been talking about my visit to Bethel Church in Redding, California. I have uh, written a book you might be familiar with. I've said it in every uh, podcast episode up to this point. This is going to be part three. And uh, I have uh, been, as a result of writing that book, I've had asked to me a number of times if I have visited Bethel Church. Now, the book that I wrote was about the New Apostolic Reformation, the Third Wave Movement, and the Word of Faith Movement, of which Bethel Church in Redding, California is a part. Uh, Bill Johnson is their senior leader, along with Chris Vallotton, their prophet, and uh, they do call him an apostle. They call Bill, uh, Bill Johnson an apostle and Chris Vallotton a uh, prophet, as well. Other people in the New Apostolic Reformation name Bill Johnson by name as a prophet. One example is the new book by Shea'an, Modern Day Apostles, and uh, Bill actually wrote the foreword for that. So uh, it's very clear that they believe in a apostleships and uh, prophetic ministry. So they are a part of the New Apostolic Reformation. I wrote the book. Within that book, I wrote a a bit about Bethel as sort of a cross-section of the beliefs and teachings of the New Apostolic Reformation. They don't all believe the same thing, but uh, many um, teach relatively similar um, concepts, uh, particularly that apostles' job is to bring God's kingdom, bring heaven to earth through signs and wonders and miracles. So uh, as a result of my writing the book and um, this becoming more and more of a theme, uh, people continually ask me if I had been to Bethel personally. Now, I've, I've said this in the past episodes, I've read all of Bill Johnson's books, more than that, and actually read most of the materials that come out of Bethel, books, uh, you know, uh, Danny, Danny Silk wrote a, a few books. I've read those. Uh, I read Chris Val- some, a lot of Chris Valentin's work, uh, but read all of Bill Johnson's work, uh, except for the most recent one. I haven't read that yet. And uh, looked at countless hours of film and, and um, uh, sermon material from their church, from my Bethel website. And so all that said and done, I know they're teaching inside and out, but people continually ask me, hey, Richard, have you been to Bethel? You, you know, with the sense uh, that you can't critique Bethel, you're not allowed to critique something unless you've been there, sort of like um, you're not allowed to critique drug use and say that I'm not going to use drugs because you haven't tried it before. So, I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous that you can't know enough about someone in this day and age with every resource that's available from Bethel's own materials, from their own websites, from their own iBethel TV. You can watch all of it. You don't have to be there. Anyways, all said and done, I take that people's question and critique very seriously. So I said, okay, you know, um, I need to be, get out there if I can, if it's possible. This time, I'm a missionary in Germany. I lived in California for years and uh, lived near enough by that this time uh, when we were, I was doing uh, our support raising rounds in California, this time I was able to go visit. I took the chance. I said, this is the only chance I'll probably be able to get within the next years at least. So I took the chance to drive up to Redding. Um, I was in the Bay Area, youth pastor in the Bay Area for about nine years. And so I said, well, let me take this chance and go up to Bethel. It's about three hours, I believe. We took, maybe did it a little quicker than that <clears throat> from the San Francisco Bay Area. <clears throat> and so I took a guy with me um, as accountability. I've said that in the previous episodes. And so 
I still have to say that's the setup for my time at Bethel. And please, if you haven't had a chance, go have a look at the previous episodes. So we pick up right where we left off in episode three, where Chris Valentin was preaching and Richard Moore explains further. Valentin said, I really believe that God wants us to return to a place of covenant. Um, the problem with that, uh, uh, Chris, is that we are in a place of covenant. I don't know that you'll ever see this uh, video, anybody from Bethel, I don't know if they'll ever see this video, but we are, as Christians, if we believe in Jesus Christ, Jesus um, and the Father God have already created a covenant in his blood with us. There's no other covenant. We don't need to return to a place of a covenant. We are in covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ, period. That's it. We don't need to return to any covenant. We are in covenant. That's it. That's the only covenant Jesus Christ has given us. He hasn't given us a covenant of apostleships or prophetic or anything like that. This is extra biblical at its best. There's no other covenant necessary. Um, the covenant in his blood that he made with us is all that we need. He implies that we cannot do anything then, um, uh, do anything worth, worth, worth anything for God unless we return to covenants, implicating that uh, you must uh, be in a covenant with an apostle or prophet for God to do anything uh, through you. So this is also challenging. Then he um, moved on to tell a story after he uh, made up uh, his Judas spirit, um, like I said, which is a, a figment of their imagination that there's a spirit behind every bush. There's a spirit in every thing um, that people who are involved in denominations have a, have a Judas spirit. It's just, um, it's, it's uh, a stretch. It's a stretch and it's a construct of their movement that there's a spirit in everything. After he um, elaborated on his construct that there's a Judas spirit, um, he told a story about how Bill and him went to YWAM base where Chris's kids were leader leaders uh, of that YWAM base in Colorado. They went together um, and he said, he, he said during that time with Bill, he fell in love with a man um, kind of making light of, you know, that, that idea. Um, he said, everyone at the base YWAM base got drunk in the spirit. And he said that after they got back, he told his wife, Hey, I'm in love with a man. Um, I'm in love with Bill. So uh, you can see it. I'm not sort of ex exaggerating. He he did say it that way and sort of, you know, uh, said it as if you were super emotional and stuff. So um, the as he said at the day five on this trip with Bill, he was completely wrecked. I don't know exactly what that means. I guess he was wrecked in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, something like that. He was said he was yearning for connection with Bill. Um and uh, he said that he had committed himself in covenant relationship to Bill as his apostle. I was born, then he said, I was born to be with Bill. And uh, yeah, we, as a family, I think he meant we, we were born to be with Bill. Um, it was very interesting how he told this story, um, how basically Bill Johnson's one of the most lovely men in the world. He just loves Jesus to death. And even said in his in his sleep and in his dreams, he just says, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Um, so, yeah, we ought to follow someone like that and be in covenant relationship with Bill as our apostle because he just loves Jesus so much. Um, yeah, then he, uh, this is interesting. He said, uh, how do we know you're following Jesus if you're not following the people he put in your life? Well, the Lord is my shepherd, he said. Well, that's convenient. He's invisible. And more and more people do what's convenient instead of what's covenant. I know, he, boy, he got a lot of uh, oohs and ahs for that and a lot of come on and, uh, yeah, that type of stuff. And in other words, apostles and prophets, Bill and Chris, um, it's convenient that you follow someone who's invisible. You follow Jesus, the good shepherd who's invisible, but you also need covenant relationships here on earth. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to just say how, how bad this was. Um, 
Now we follow the good shepherd who's not invisible. He's a real person in heaven. His word is for us. It stands authoritatively. We follow him. When we, when we, when we want to hear the shepherd's voice, we look at his word. Then we know what, what he said. So we're not following an invisible person in that. He said that his wife, um, uh, or Bill invited him then to come and uh, lead the supernatural school of ministry that they wanted to start. And Chris's wife, however, said, hey, I'm not going, I'm not doing anything like that until the Lord speaks directly to me. So she went to a Morningstar conference. Rick Joyner um, is the leader of Morningstar. He's also an NAR prophet, a new apostolic reformation prophet. Um, I haven't done as much research into him, but I know uh, he's actually from my home state in South Carolina. And um, so I've been to a Morningstar church and to a conf Morningstar conference years and years ago, maybe 20 years ago now. And <clears throat> so I know about it and know much, much about their movement and their ministry. And uh, so she went, uh, Chris's wife went to a Morningstar conference uh, and uh, he's at, he was just saying, God speak to her. Chris was saying, you know, this will be the place. If you're going to have God speak to you, he's going to go do it at this church because of Morningstar. It's, it's the place where God speaks. Robert. Exactly. So, um, he said, he said that, uh, at this conference that his wife went to Ray Hughes was the speaker and, um, Ray Hughes, apparently in the middle of his talk, stopped his talk, turned to her looked straight at her and said this, you are leaving the mountains and you're coming to Bethel. So they were living in a mountainous area at the time at another church. And uh, so that was what he said, this guy, this prophet said to her. Uh, she said she fell on the floor weeping and a woman said to her in that time, don't be surprised if what you heard isn't what he said. So she comes home, thinks nothing of that, think, comes home and tells Chris all about God's special word to them specifically, leave the mountains, come into Bethel. Um, and she brings the video cassette of the talk where Ray Hughes spoke to her. Um, and they fast forward to the section where it was supposed to be in the tape where God spoke to her and there was nothing there. There was nothing there about leaving the mountains, going to Bethel, nothing at all of that type of nature. And it says actually something completely different in that section in the sermon. They said, she looks at Chris and says, I promise you, he said something about leaving the mountains and going to Bethel. I promise you that's there. But then she remembered the lady who said, don't be surprised if what you heard isn't what he said. So this is super interesting. I guess the guy's speaking um, to her, stops his sermon, she says. And speaks this sentence, even saying, I'm not, I don't usually do this. I don't usually stop my, what I'm doing and do this, but I need to say this. And he said this to her, spoke directly to her, but it's not in the tape. It's not in the videotape of anything. Um, it, it's hard to know what to make of this. Like, did he actually say something that's not, that, that wasn't heard by anybody else? wasn't recorded by any video camera. Um, this is, this is, you know, this is another level of like supernatural, like shenanigans. I don't know. You know, I mean, what, what are we supposed to make of that? Well, I'll tell you what the audience thought of it. They thought, oh, wow. Well, that, then it's gotta be from God. If he said it to her, but it's not even really on the videotape. And this woman also confirmed that, you know, this is another level. I mean, you don't see that in the Bible anywhere. You know, we're talking about Pentecost and all these supernatural events. People have visions and stuff, but they were real things that happened to people um, verified by second, third, fourth hand accounts. Um, wow. Like this is, I, I don't see anything nearing that level of, of, supernatural shenanigans, I guess what we're going to call it, where people said something to someone that did not exist in reality. No one else saw it. No one else heard it. Doesn't even exist on a tape. So, and then what it leads you to believe is that they, these guys and girls in this whole movement need God to speak to them through some other means outside of the Bible. 
for them to make life decisions, for them to move their, pick up their life and move to Bethel. They need God to speak in some way like this. They need a revelation. They need an extra word from somewhere else outside of the Bible to validate anything. They're not going to do make a move in their lives unless they have some kind of word of revelation or something like that. So they leave uh, and go to Bethel, but Chris describes himself in that time as restless, real restless, and how one night he had a dream, again, visions, revelations, dreams. The thing is full of it. He, re he had more visions in one sermon than he had any scripture references. So it started off with the uh, revelation of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ appeared to him and told him the denominations or denominationalism are, we're moving away from denominations to apostleships. So they leave and, go, and are at Bethel, but he's restless. And one night he has a dream uh, that he described. It was an intense dream, of course. The more intense, the better. Um, and in the dream, he sees the church, and the church is packed to the walls with people standing outside in the parking lot even. And everybody, the parking lot's full. In the dream, he hears a voice saying, of course, it's, I guess we can assume it's God. Um, if you leave, if you leave Bethel, this is what will happen to you. Um, in other words, this is what you're, you're going to be able to fill up churches, right? And then he zoomed out to the view of the earth. And then he says, the voice says, but you'll never change that, meaning the whole world. Supposing that the voice meant that if you leave, you'll affect a few thousand or just a church or something, but you'll never change the earth. And then the voice says, and you'll only, and only you and me will know that you failed. Um, yeah, of course, this is a new revelation, a new teaching. Um, Jesus spoke to him himself and said, you're going to change the world. And, um, I mean, to some degree they are now, um, they're changing the world for, uh, I wouldn't call it the better. I'm not, I'm not going to call their movement, a, a movement that is better, um, and only you and me will know that you failed if you don't, if you leave Bethel, in other words. So after the dream, he said, uh, and then the Lord said to me, of course, always the Lord speaking to him, saying stuff to him, quote unquote, if you make a covenant with Bill to stay with him the rest of your life, I will show you, show the world what I can build on apostles and prophets who live in, in covenant. So, um, the Lord Jesus, again, said to him, make a covenant with Bill for the rest of your life, and I'll show the world what I can do by uh, making by uh, on apostles and prophets who live in covenant. So they're in covenant. So he said, hey, make a covenant with Bill. He's your apostle. It's clear. He's said it clearly from the stage. I'm not making stuff up. Go to the thing yourself. He has made a covenant with Bill to, for him to be his apostle and uh, he's, he's Bill's prophet. So Bill hears directly from God. He, um, he brings heaven to earth and apostles make sense of in, in their, in their movement, they make sense of the, the words God's saying. So, uh, apostles bring heaven to earth. They bring the kingdom and, uh, prophets, uh, make sense and speak for God. So uh, I'm not making it up. Wish I were. And uh, then he says, uh, how many of you know, if you're in a covenant with people, you have to work it out? Um, like he related it to marriage. So in marriage relationship, you have to work it out. You're in a covenant together. You got to work out your differences, etc. And so we had to just work out our differences. Then uh, again, he says, I believe God wants to move us back to a place of covenant, um, a covenant with apostles and prophets. Um. And then, uh, then he talked about fatherhood again. So fatherhood, uh, apostles are fathers. And uh, you're making a covenant, a family covenant to be in an apostolic relationship with us. Then he talked about fatherhood. So when, when some of you hear the terms fatherhood, authority, shepherd, you think, no way, no, 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 I don't want that. I don't want anything like that. This creates imagery that we are safe fathers. Um, we'll not, we're not going to be like your earthly fathers. Don't worry, you can be a covenant with us. Uh, we won't abuse you. I know what it's like to have a bad father. So he's talking about his father. Don't trust me. I know about those things. But enter into covenant with me and Bill, and we'll treat you with honor. 
So there, uh, actually, uh, Danny Silk has written a book called Culture of Honor, which is basically honor your apostolic fathers and prof prophetic fathers. And uh, so <clears throat> he's convinced people, I know some of you had bad fathers, uh, but we're going to treat you well. We're going to we're going to honor you here. Um, and then he said, uh, um, I really believe that the Lord wants us to have a relational connection, not where we participate in a service, but we are really become part of a family. Um, and uh, can hardly tell you how bad this could become um, <clears throat> to me. I, I did a lot of research into uh, Jim Jones and his his cult, how he manipulated people. He spoke Christian language. There's no question. He used the scriptures. He said he talked about the Lord. Um, it was Christian in its uh, sort of its its. It had a, a sort of a sense of Christianity. Yeah, Jim Jones, uh, who who uh, was responsible for the massacre at Jonestown, and. Uh, in Guyana, where nearly a thousand people uh, committed mass suicide by drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Funny enough, um, as a side note, and I'll, I may say this in my wrap-up, um, the person I uh, visited wrote me a long letter afterwards uh, via instant messenger and, uh, or actually before, beforehand, and they said very, very clearly, they said. Um, don't worry about it. Not everyone's drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, that term, drinking the Kool-Aid, comes from this Jim Jones uh, event where people committed mass suicide and they drank the Kool-Aid. They drank cyanide-laced Kool-Aid. It wasn't Kool-Aid actually, but it was. that's where the term don't drink the Kool-Aid comes from. That term didn't exist before. So when people say, we're not drinking the Kool-Aid or don't drink the Kool-Aid. They mean don't buy into a lie. Don't be deceived by people. Uh, don't believe the hype sort of thing. And uh, this person said to me in a long letter, don't worry, not all of us are drinking the Kool-Aid. And I thought, wow, like that means some of you, some of them are drinking the Kool-Aid. That, that's speaking, that term is speaking of committing mass suicide at the hands of a cult leader. <laughs> That was like, um, now that term is very loosely used for every sort of thing, you know, like don't, Hey, don't drink the Kool-Aid means don't buy into the lie of somebody or don't buy into the hype. But, uh, that's where the term comes from. And, and they, and, and the person said, uh, you know, don't worry, not, we're not all drinking the Kool-Aid, meaning that they weren't as well believing everything, but wow. I mean, the terminology he was using, Chris was using, was absolutely um, Jim Jones type term. I'm going to care for you. We're going to be your. I'm going to be your father. I, you know, come into a re covenant relationship with me. They didn't have the paper to sign the covenant relationship with with Bill and Chris, but it's basically all but there. Um, sign on the dotted line. Sign the empty empty paper. Um, what Jim Jones was having people do, actually, he was having people sign empty paper documents so that he could later just write in whatever he wanted. Um, get People gave him power of attorney. I mean, you name it. It was really crazy. And so this is all but them, people at Bethel signing on the dotted line, signing an empty piece of paper and giving them over, giving Bill and Chris over power of attorney, <laughs> giving them over... Um, fathership fatherhood through making it a covenantal relationship with apostles it was really really wild really wild so all the language was was laced with 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 sort of this cult type leadership language yeah and then he said uh, i want to pray that there is if there's where there's any denominationalism in our hearts cause most of us because most of us were raised in it that the lord would just break it off like he breaks off curses Again, so uh, we have uh, those who are involved in denomination have the Judas spirit. They have the religious spirit. They um, it's a curse. Um, the denominations are concubines. Uh, I mean, and on and on and on. It was just heaping on. Uh, so 
So he wants to break off the generational curses. He's going to break off the curse of denominationalism for us. And just, uh, it's just hard to believe how, if you, if you were any, any a denominational leader and watched this sermon, I mean, please, some of you go watch it. I, I would be surprised and shocked if you can get through it without being extremely offended. Um, <clears throat> He then prayed for the breaking off of the curse of denominationalism and the renewal of covenants with one another. So not only you're making a covenant with Apostle Bill and, and maybe Chris himself, but you're making covenants with one another. Yeah. Um, there's, yeah, there's no biblical precedent for this. There's one covenant with between God and man, and that's through the man Christ Jesus, through his blood his covenant, his oath to us, to redeem us from sin, to buy us back. There's one covenant. There's not another covenant. And I'm sorry, but God did not tell him that he's making another covenant. No, he didn't do it. Then um, a person named Haley came up. Interestingly, that this was, so this was, he's leading in, this is the end of his sermon. He's leading into the ministry time, how everybody's, uh, and then everybody's, you know, laying around being ministered to, etc. And <clears throat> Haley uh, was, I think, I think a worship leader. I'm not real sure, but there, she's connected somehow with uh, Bethel leadership uh, on on a worship team. I'm pretty sure. Then he invited her up to come up and share all her encounters with the Lord. So Haley has just came up and has so many encounters with the Lord. And uh, the person, the guy I was with actually made me aware of this. Uh, she has a, tr a child with Down syndrome. And uh, he showed me, because I think he followed her on Instagram and showed me right away on her Instagram. Oh yeah, they have a four, three or four year old with Down syndrome, clear as day, no, no question. And I just thought, man, um, this girl and this family doesn't fit. Does she even know that her apostle, Bill Johnson, says that Down syndrome ought to be healed? In the womb. He, he said it clear as day in his testimonies. He said the high points of their ministry are that a child with Down syndrome in the womb with a diagnosis of Down syndrome will be healed. Does Down syndrome need healing? He even had someone prophesy over him, uh, a, a prophet, Brian Cairn, prophesied over Bill Johnson that he'll start to have authority and power over mental illnesses and he made a list of things and Down syndrome. But the Spirit of God said you will see people with Down syndrome with mental issues I will set them free from the anointing on your life. Bill Johnson has authority, apostolic authority to heal Down syndrome. Uh, Down syndrome, for those of you who are not aware, is a chromosomal abnormality where every cell of the body of a child or a person with Down syndrome has three chromosomes on the 21st strand of their uh, genetic code. So that means every single cell has DNA, Down syndrome DNA built into it three chromosomes on every cell of the body that affects everything. So when Bill Johnson has power or authority over down syndrome, he's able to change the molecular structure of people's entire being. Um, this is a, a huge stretch, a, a far cry. Uh, so, I just noticed that with her and and I just noticed a huge burden under this on this girl, um, Haley, that she lives with a child with Down syndrome in a place where Down syndrome is really not quite allowed it, or it's not normal. At least Down syndrome is not normal. It should be healed. Uh, high points of our ministry will be when children who have a diagnosis of Down syndrome in the womb will be healed and will be born without Down syndrome. Ooh. 
she came up on the stage and was immediately, when she grabbed the microphone, she was already shaking and her voice was breaking. She was beside herself from the beginning. She rambled on totally incoherently about the fear of man and hearing the voice of her beloved. And it felt like uh, she th said, I, th I feel like things have shifted in her fighting the dragons of fear of man, all sorts of stuff. I yield to God and do what he, that in me. I just began, began encountering God. I chose to step through every hindrance. So I'm going to uh, play a, a section of that right now. Uh, I have recorded it and what she said, um, and just give you a flavor of what they do in their ministry time. God, when you were the prize, Jesus, you were the prize, Jesus. I am the portion, God. I am your portion, and you can have all of me, God. <laughs> if this life, God, would bless your heart, God, this life is yours, Jesus. If your fire wants to consume me, God, here I am at the altar, Jesus. You are so worthy. Jesus, what do I have to bring you that you haven't given me already? What song do I have to sing that you haven't put the breath in my lungs for? But if you want it, you can have it. Jesus, I'm all in. I'm all in. There's no going back. You are the prize, Jesus. You are the prize. Oh, we ask for. Fresh baptism, fresh baptism, fresh baptism, a grace to go under and leave behind to come up new. Fresh baptism, thank you, Holy Spirit, for a fresh baptism, God. Fresh fire, God. A fresh fire, God. We thank you for the grace for a fresh fire, God. For that moment, God, where everything can change, God, because of a yielded heart, God. We ask God right now, Lord, that you come, that you come, Holy Spirit, and you begin to move, God, on these yielded hearts, God, that your fire would come, God, on these yielded hearts. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God. We honor you, Spirit of God that is in this room. We honor you, Holy Spirit, and we just ask for more, God. We ask for more, God. Holy Spirit, the Spirit that reveals the Son, the Lamb. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come in greater measures right now, God. We ask for the more, God. God, we are hungry. We are hungry. And then she went on to say, you know, tonight as Chris is sharing, I just feel like, so I feel like there's powerful atmosphere to make covenant with the King. So again, this idea of covenant comes up. Um, he's talking about apostolic covenants. She's talking about a covenant with the king. We already have a covenant. Um, we don't make other covenants. He's made a covenant with us. Um, when we trusted in Christ, he, that covenantal relationship began. He's already done it. So again, just biblical knowledge, understanding who we are in Christ and, and our relationship with him, that he's made a covenant with us. We don't need to make a covenant with him. It's, it's done. Um, if you want to just yield to the Lord right now, whatever way you feel is authentic to your heart, just do that. Uh, she did this whole invitation thing through the uh, manipulative tears. She was crying, just sobbing and shaking the whole time. Um, really from the point she grabbed the microphone, just shaking. 
She had a, her voice was whining and broken um, the whole time, manipulating people through an emotional call. It was really just uh, really wild. For about 35 minutes, she, she just went on and on. Come Holy Spirit, ask for his grace to come upon you and ask for the grace to respond. Of course, then they, they had keys playing in the background. The, the worship team had already, I guess, left. I don't know. I'm not sure, but they have just someone playing keys in the background. You know, that full synthesizer um, wash and then with the keys playing. Definitely uh, um, bringing you to an emotional response. And then she said, I, I, God, I repent for insulating myself. And thus insulating myself from you. God, I repent for casting my eyes down when you're inviting me to look at, at your eyes of fire. Um, this whole while, people are becoming beginning to wail, to weep, to moan, to shriek in emotional response. Um, it, it was, you know, really wild. So as, as the uh, ministry time began to really break out, and like I said, there was a young man over the over to my right, just shaking, just shaking from 45 minutes. Have a quick video of that. I'm not going to show that for his protection, but um, people laying around, going around, touching people, just begin to touch people. And and so they're, they're actually uh, doing that. They're going around touching people. I see people touching people with fingers on their forehead um, like this, touching people, uh, touching people on shoulders. Some, some lady, I was sitting down at that point. Well, at that point, not all the way, but uh, at that moment when I noticed this lady come around and she uh, touched, touched me on my shoulder and I'd look back and they had, she had passed by and touched me. And um, what they're doing is, is ministering to each other. They're touching each other and imparting stuff, giving the Holy Spirit, what have you. I, I don't exactly know um, because it's not just not where anywhere in scripture that we engage in such a practice. So people going around touching each other. They're putting hands on heads. They're whatever, standing behind people and touching them. And uh, I told the guy who's with me, I said, don't under any circumstance, let anybody touch you. Um, because I am, I have been a Christian for 25 years, 30, I've been a Christian ministry for 25 years, been a Christian. since I was six or seven years old. And this is not our Holy Spirit. What was happening there is not the Holy Spirit of God. It's some other spirit. And I am sure about that. I've been to these meetings, these type of meetings over and over again at Morningstar, at, at youth events everywhere. And there, and I've been to these type of meetings over and over again. Either it's one of two things. Either it's the, it's the spirit of just pretend People are faking emotional responses so that they'll be seen as spiritual people, or it is a truly other spirit. It's not our Holy Spirit. If people are actually saying that there's really some spiritual thing happening to them, I'm sorry, our Holy Spirit does not engage people in that way. In chaos and disorder and shrieking and crying and moaning dog noises, there was animal noises. And then all of a sudden, as I noticed it, um, around the corner of the of the sound booth, there was shrieking coming um, and and growling, and I thought, oh my, um, someone is is obviously exhibiting demonic manifestations. So I ran around the corner, um, tried to get closer. I got it uh, on on my recording. Um, I'm trying to think of whether whether or not to let it be shown or let it be known, but it was truly, truly disturbing. Uh, this boy was either possessed, truly possessed, or um, or putting on as if he was, because he was growling, he was shrieking, and he was saying, "Jesus, help me!" Um, and this was obvious at least demonic manifestations, whether he was possessed or not, I do not know. Um, <clears throat> but it comes from the theology that Christians can be possessed. It, it's, it's Chris's own words. You got the spirit of Judas, you got the spirit of religion, you got the spirit of this or the spirit of that. There's a spirit under every, under every bush. And, uh, so it works, 
you know, it works with that theology and people where they're trying to minister to them and, and cast a demon out. And so you can cast out all sorts of demons, all the demons of this, the demons of lust, the demons of that. And uh, it, it works in that theology. Unfortunately, the scriptures are very, very clear on this. Christians who have truly turned their lives over to Christ and have been sealed by the Holy Spirit cannot be possessed by demons. Cannot. It is impossible for the Holy Spirit to take residence in the same body and have a demon in that same body. So either the person is not a Christian to begin with or or uh, that's really the only option, actually. Uh, person's not a Christian. If you're truly possessed by a demon and you need an exorcism and you need to be uh, have that demon uh, cast out of you, you have not been a Christian before. Um, you've not been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. That's it. Uh, we don't teach, Christians do not teach that you, true Christianity doesn't teach that you can be possessed by demons. This book, uh, Pigs in a Parlor, um, uh, lays that whole thing out and believes that everybody can be possessed, even if you're a Christian. It's just not true. It's not accurate. No true Christians throughout history taught that. Um, it's not a Christian practice. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption when you trusted in Christ. That's it, period. So uh, this demonic manifestation then fits real closely into um, into that, uh, that theology. Uh, this young man's demonic manifestation went on for about, let's say, 10 minutes, I'm going to say, before they removed him from the room. I noticed that at the end, he was removed. He was he was by a door. He was balled up in the corner by a, one of the double doors, and they removed. I, I saw people coming with uh, wired headsets coming to remove him. It was obviously their security or something. I don't know. They all had these wired headsets, and um, they uh, eventually he was he was taken out somehow, taken somewhere wherever I don't know, but uh, he was removed uh, because it was it was truly disturbing. And I think that was part of the thing, like. This is disturbing people, um, so let's let's take him out. But I'm not sure what happened to him afterwards. But um, it fits into their theology that people that Christians can be demonically possessed, but that's just not biblical. So um, then Haley uh, was still going that during that whole time. There was no stoppage of the service or anything. It was just I could hear him because I was really close. I was sitting in the back. Um, I went forward to also take pictures. I can show, I'm going to show some pictures of, of that. Uh, I'll put those up maybe as I'm talking here of people just laying around all uh, sorts of people just uh, falling around, uh, laying, shaking, uh, etc. Um, it was just a, sort of a free-for-all in the Holy Spirit, as they would say, right? Everybody slain in the Spirit, everybody receiving the baptism of the Spirit. I don't know. Um, yeah. Then uh, Haley said, I repent for being afraid of what others think of me. Um, so I don't know. Is that a sin? I've never really, I mean, maybe fear. Um, but, uh, and then it's, uh, she said, uh, we usher it, you in, king of glory. She says, come, 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 just like droning on. And there is sort of a cadence. So I want to talk about that. There is sort of a cadence built into their ministry times, especially when there's keys playing in the background, there's this, this droning type of cadence. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, you know, come, 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 Holy Spirit, come. And then she even had a little melody. She me melodized, or I don't know, it wasn't a song, but it was, uh, you know, melody making and um, sort of, again, just like I said, sort of this droning um, type of of a uh, thing where you just, you, you create a, a sort of a mantra that kind of runs through and, and, and it becomes sort of like this uh, um, hypnotic, I mean, I hate to say it, but a hypnotic type trance like drone. And um, so it was just things repeated consistently, come, come, come. And then Chris uh, grabs the microphone again after a while and he just said, Lord, we just break off, break off the fear of people right now. Um, and Lord, we just remove that fear in Jesus name. Lord, we just remove that fear in Jesus name. It's kind of repeating that sort of thing. So, uh, we break off, you know, we, we do, we're doing the breaking, um, 
And then you kind of put Jesus name at the end. So that's also sort of uh, hypnotic and mantra like um, in its, in its sense, you know, um, not Lord Jesus, would you please break our fear? We have, you know, it's, it's really, we do the breaking, we do the unbinding and stuff. We do the binding and unbinding. Then uh, Chris went into a story. This got, it got even more interesting. I mean, it's just like one wild thing after the other. He got into a story about a former president of a country and his wife. And he said the lady, uh, the, the wife spoke Spanish. So some Spanish speaking country, I don't know. He didn't really say. He said, while we were talking to her, he said that this, he saw, didn't say if it was in the spiritual realm or what, he said he saw a sword sticking out of her stomach. Um, and there was no sword there. And he asked the lady if he could take the sword out of her stomach. Um, <laughs> he pointed to the place where the sword was. And then she said she'd been having pain there for years. Um, like... Wow. He took the sword out and then she immediately fell into a trance. He said, that, those were his words. Um, and he said, Oh, that, Oh, it's Jesus. <laughs> um, it, it's just un, almost unfathomable. So he saw a sword that wasn't really there, took the sword out of the woman's side and she fell down in a trance. Um, and then he said, everywhere we went with them, there that week, there were 3,500 politicians there somehow. And then uh, someone asked him, Kent would approach him and say, you that guy that pulled the sword out of that lady? Um, and and then he, he would ask, do I have a sword of me? I have pain here and stuff like this. And Chris uh, Valentin said pretty soon, we're pulling swords out of people everywhere. <laughs> and so um, it's pretty obvious uh, to me then that he was seeing things that, that really weren't there either in the spiritual realm or whatever, the swords were not there. He was seeing them in the spirit realm. Um, what to make of this? Uh, honestly, um, that's what seers do. You know, uh, prophets don't do stuff like that. Biblical prophets don't do stuff like that. Seers, people who uh, dabble in the occult, um, uh, clairvoyance, people like that, they see stuff like that, not prophets of God. Um, and there was no gospel thing to it. He just pulled someone out of the a sword out of their side and, um, yeah, that's it. So no biblical ministry to it. Um, she, apparently she fell down shaking and violently shaking in the spirit, but that's not the spirit of God. Um, you can't receive the Holy spirit, uh, until you trust in Christ. He had no gospel testimony to her, just pulled a sword out of her side. Uh, then he told the story about how he went to lunch where he saw people who had duct tape on their heads. I'm not making this up. I really am not. Now, if it's not in the sermon notes, it's because it was at the end of the ministry time. If it's not in the sermon on their website, then it was because it was later um, and they'd turned the cameras off. I forget when they turned the cameras off, but it was obvious they had the cameras uh, retracted and everything was turned off. They said uh, the duct tape on the people's forehead said abandoned. Um, I see the words abandoned on duct tape on your head. Can I pull it off your head? He said, uh, she started crying and said, yes, you know, yes. Um, he said he pulled off the duct tape off her head and she fell down too. Um, I guess fell down on the spirit. I don't know. Pretty soon we were pulling duct tape off people's heads everywhere. People were falling all over the place in the restaurant. More people came up to them and said, I, and he would say, I see depression on you. I see this on you. I see that on you. And he would pull duct tape off their head and they all fall down. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you make of this? You know, no gospel testimony, no gospel witness, just pulling duct tape off, off people's head, saying that they had depression, abandonment, etc. Sorry, this is not a uh, gospel ministry. It's not proclamation of Jesus Christ. People can't repent if they don't know the gospel. They don't have the ability to to repent and turn from their sin and be delivered from their sin if they don't respond in faith to Jesus Christ. And there was none of that. None, none of these stories had any gospel testimony, no witness of Jesus Christ, no repent, turn your, turn your abandonment over to him, turn your depression over to him, turn your uh, sin over to him. None of that. Um, it was, it's a stretch. 
in any in any type of ministry to say you could pull people's swords out of people's sides and tape off their head and stuff like this. And I will promise you, since he's Chris Valentin, people will go around trying to do this type of garbage to people. Well, of course you would. I've heard that elsewhere, actually. Uh, a sword in this side. Uh, you know, people saw a sword. The guy that I went to, uh, to Bethel with, he said someone tried to cast a demon out of her hip and pull a sword out of her side. People are doing it because these guys teach this type of garbage. So why is it important? It's important because they're saying it as an honest and real thing from stage that, and that people will mimic them. This is why it's so dangerous. So after he mentioned the, the duct tape and all the things people, he said they were getting delivered from things they didn't even know they had. They didn't know they had, they didn't know it was a spirit. Um, and I feel like tonight people are being delivered from stuff right now. Maybe what Haley said started, started sharing and her encounter with God and you may not even have known it. So it's, it's this insinuation or this, um, suggestion, the power of suggestion. You don't even know you have it. You don't even know you have this spirit. You don't even know you have this, uh, you want this encounter with God, but now God's calling you because you didn't even know, you know, it's this power of suggestion. Then Haley started uh, sharing her encounter with God. Um, and she came back and she was, there was like this flow between them two. So maybe the enemy's resisting you. And, and uh, the, he said then that, that he believes the enemy strategically resists us at our point of, at the point of our destiny. So destiny is also a big, big term within the NAR and within these movements. So I just want you to pray right now. The Holy Spirit would open your heart to see things that you may have been afraid to see. So yeah, it's this, again, this power of insinuation, this uh, power of suggestion, leading people to um, open the door to things they didn't even know that. Yeah. So it's uh, really dangerous in that too. Um, then he said, uh, here's my, I think I, I've got the quote, right? I pray for anyone in here who is under any kind of bondage addiction, or maybe they have just a familiar spirit. They don't even know that they're being manipulated and controlled by something they have allowed in their life. Sometimes we excuse it like I'm Irish. That's why I'm mad. Or maybe you have a spirit that you have allowed in your lifestyle or in your life because you've given it permission by telling it it's okay because of, and he didn't, it's hard to say what, what he said there was inaudible. Um, Lord, just take away all fear, night terrors, depression, abandonment, all these issues that got pressed down in us, Lord. We just pray that you would just remove it right now. If you're watching Beth by Bethel TV, so I take it actually that they still had cameras on at that time. We invite you into this same space. Just come into the same baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Just come into this fresh place. Just allow the Lord to take things off of you. And then here comes Haley again, shaking pretty violently, uh, kept repeating fresh baptism, fresh fire, that your fire would come down on these yielded hearts. Just ask for more, Lord, more, 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 and all this type of stuff. This is kind of typical mantra um, during these uh, ministry times at the end of services. I feel like it's time to prophesy. She said, ministry team, if you just want to put words to what, what he is doing, just begin to prophesy. We just ask for more. And so then people started really milling about and prophesying and sent in. And touching people and stuff like that, and that's where I felt this woman's touch on my shoulder, and I and I actually then uh, was standing up somewhere, and I saw a woman approach me, and I said, "Please don't touch me," um, and she was like, "Oh, <laughs> like diverted uh, uh, to go touch someone else," um, and so altogether in Haley, I saw a broken, broken person. It was really sad to me. She's broken by this movement. She tries so hard to be good enough. To measure up in this movement, but she's broken by the whole thing. She has a Down syndrome child that doesn't fit into the Bethel theology of health and wholeness. Bill Johnson has said himself that the high points of ministry of Bethel are children in the womb pronounced with Down syndrome healed. Haley's daughter does not fit into that picture. And I saw a broken, broken person desperately trying to please God. My heart was uh, really, truly uh, sad for this girl. Um, I was thinking 
so sadly uh, for her girl, for her her child, that just must be looked at um, by the leadership as incomplete, not perfect, not right, off somehow. And I just thought, man, Jesus is the substitutionary atonement for your sins. I wanted to just like tell her, like, you don't have to try so hard. He did it. And by faith, you're made righteous. You don't have to try to be more righteous, more holy, more seeing, more. Oh, man, it was so, so sad for me. I just saw a person who was defeated by trying so hard to reach God. It was it was devastating to me. So during the moaning, the crying, the wailing, the shaking, the shrieking, people laying all over the auditorium, people touching each other and praying while shaking. Uh, like I said, one poor guy was shaking for about 45 minutes. There was a young man who was who had these demonic manifestations, like I said. Um, it was really, really sad. And he said, and then he even said this, I forgot to say this young man who was possessed or had demonic manifestations kept saying, please, Jesus, I'm sorry. Please, Jesus, I'm sorry. Please, Jesus, I'm sorry. You can hear it in the tape. Uh, I, I might even try to play that section. He started to even make animal noises. It was just really, really um, crazy. The auditorium, um, like I said, was extremely cold. So they had people shaking. And I think when you're so cold and you start having this emotional experience and start shaking, it's just impossible to stop. Um, Haley started singing again a melody after a while. Fire and wind come down. Do it again. Open up the gates. Let heaven on in. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Maybe that'll become a song eventually. I don't know. Um, but she repeated it like 12 times. Yes, come Holy Spirit. She repeated five times. Uh, and then, so I'm going back in my recording and, and making sure I counted these. So she repeated it five times. You're here and I know you're moving. I'm here and I know you want to fill me. She repeated that five times. Oh, magnify the Lord, uh, for he is worthy to be praised. That's an old song. So she repeated that six times. Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the rock. She repeated that several times too. Um, and so, yeah, I forgot to mention that Chris uh, did identify Haley as a former BSSM student um, and probably, I guess, now into the worship team somehow. somehow. So she sang a lot. So, um, But I don't know if she has some official role at Bethel. Um, yeah, people were going around and touching people and imparting presence or spreading presence or whatever, as their custom is. And someone came to me and I said, Nope, please don't touch me. And she quickly diverted to go to touch someone else. Um, so, uh, after a break in the sermon, it was a long service. I really, um, I've given y'all several hours of material of my experience there but uh, that was about as long as the service lasted. So I went through the material of the sermon, of the, of the service from start to finish. We started there at 6 o'clock and we left at 9.30. So I haven't given you more material than the service. The service was about that long. And um, so I, I wanted to talk to the person we were there with because I, I actually said to the person at the end, man, um, it's hard for me to really uh, sort of decompress this time with you because I disagreed with almost every single thing that happened and was said. And this person was like, yeah, um, it was very interesting. This person was deeply, deeply conflicted, um, especially with, uh, with uh, the, let's say the healing theology that says basically those with disability, disease, Down syndrome, etc., uh, aren't right and need healing. And so that person was deeply, deeply conflicted uh, by everything that happened at night. And they even said, I usually kind of just stay for the first worship time and then the sermon and leave. And so they're missing like half of actually what happens uh, in, in that church, uh, probably if they leave before the end of the service happens. Because the after Chris stopped speaking, it was probably an hour and a half more of service time. He spoke for an hour and 40, I think altogether. Uh, beginning worship time was about uh, an hour. So hour worship time opening, 
hour and 40 sermon, two hours and 40, then an hour and a half. And we left before the service was done. We left th three and a half hours into it, and we really left before everything was done. We, we wanted to talk to this person we, we were with. It was really, truly incredible. Um, let me make some concluding remarks. Uh, I have written a book on this subject. I know about it. I know it. It's from the inside and the out. People have asked me, have you been to Bethel? I didn't need to go to confirm this, but my suspicions, my the material in my book is confirmed this movement stands outside of Christian orthodoxy, clear as day. And my trip to Bethel confirmed this fact. It didn't weaken my fears or lessen my fears or, oh, wow, alleviate all my fears. They're way better than I thought. No, it's actually worse than I thought. I'm sad to say, but it's much worse than originally anticipated. So altogether, all said and done, I would encourage you in three things. Test everything with scripture. And I did. And unfortunately, uh, what Chris said and what happened at the time when I visited Bethel did not pass the test and cannot stand the scrutiny of scripture. Secondly, I would say, be careful what you sing. Bethel music is worldwide known. It's hard to avoid it, but you can. It's possible. You can avoid singing the music. I don't sing it anymore. And it's possible. You don't have to sing it and let that ministry and that, um, that, that music affect you unknowingly. Because I think it's hard to, like I said, chew the uh, meat and spit out the bones. I don't think we can discern anymore. I, I don't trust that people have the possibility to discern what's scriptural and what's not anymore. So all that to say, be discerning. Uh, ask questions. Don't just trust that whatever someone says from the stage is scriptural or biblical, open your word, read it. you got to, I mean, you can read the Bible easily in a year. It's possible, especially with now with all the uh, um, audio Bibles out. Every single translation has an audio Bible on the Uversion app. You can do it. Don't <laughs> read the Passion Translation, however. Anyways, all said and done, this church uh, was confirmed, in my opinion, in my thinking, as uh, something we should mark and avoid. And that's why I'm making this video. I want to mark these men as false teachers and, uh, and ask you to avoid them. And uh, uh, if you have to have uh, scriptural teaching, go to, there's plenty of people out there that are not in this camp. Please avoid this movement and uh, read your scripture for yourself understand it and, and ask the Holy Spirit for leading in understanding your scripture. So that's my thoughts for you. Uh, if you have any other thoughts or questions, please reach out. You can, uh, you can post them on, uh, on this video or, or email them to me. I'd love to try to deal with this topic with you. So that's it for this uh, critique of Bethel and my trip to Bethel. That was it. That's what I experienced. It was wild. Let me just tell you. Thanks for listening to Churchpreneur's Podcast. You can find out more information at my website at richardpmore.net. I also blog at richardpmore.blogspot.com. You're welcome to follow me on Twitter. I, my Twitter handle is at richardpmore23. You can also email us at churchpreneurs.gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas for a podcast or any comments or questions, please reach out to me on one of those platforms. God bless you. Until next time, take care.